The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The Chicago Bears smashed the Jacksonville Jaguars in a 41-17 game that's nowhere as close as that scoreline represents. I bring on WCG's own post-game writer, Patty Curl, to walk through this epic Chicago Bears win with me on this episode of Bear With Me. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And today I am so excited because after a week off for the holidays, I hope you all had a fabulous holiday, whatever you did and didn't do. Hope you all stayed safe. The Bears countered a great win against the Minnesota Vikings with a blowout win against the Jacksonville Jaguars that, if you're like me, has me riding high. Hi, and I've brought on no nobody else, nobody other than Windy City Gridiron's own post-game writer, Patty Curl, to help talk me through the game because this one was fun to watch. And honestly, I don't know about you, Patty. I'm entering that like holiday dream state watching this team where it's like, it, is this real? Like Mitch Trubisky's out here throwing touchdowns. The Bears offensive scheme looks great. I don't know how they'll function against a playoff team, but doggone it, I'm becoming a believer. Am I alone in this? You're definitely not alone. Uh, This is definitely the right game to bring me on because I prefer to just like talk about the positive things about the Bears. And this was a fun game to watch as a Bears fan. So much fun. Absolutely. I mean, it's hilarious because watching this team normally, uh, like plenty of people, I can find myself smitten by pass heavy offenses, wonderful quarterbacks that slice and dice and Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, even though he scored 12 points just the other day and thank heavens for that. Go Bears. But suddenly I'm sitting here watching David Montgomery slam the run, watching Mitch Trubisky pull the ball on play action. And sure, there are a couple mistakes here and there all over over the place early in the game I think for the first nine carries the Bears had 40 yards on the ground technically but 25 of that came off of one run and the offensive line looked to be struggling but even so the Bears powered through that and smashed their third quarter scoring issues with three straight touchdowns and I'll tell you what it reminded me how funny it's been over these last couple weeks specifically to watch you know how they show at the start of the broadcast Bears offensive ranks and for a while there it was like 32nd in run 31st overall and a bunch of sad numbers they keep climbing every week now we're like 24th in rushing and 22nd in passing and 27th in rushing and i'm like hey there we go we're moving on up the chain it's wild actually as soon as i saw 20 anything i was like go bears this is great this is all i could ask for (laughs) 
We've got our defense. Just keep our offense in the 20s. 29 is fine. Absolutely. What honestly, like watching Trubisky succeed is more fun than watching Mahomes succeed because Mahomes, you're like, okay, well, yeah, we know he's great. But Trubisky, like we've been dumping on him for years. And there are plenty of mistakes that just make you want to, you know, cringe and slap your forehead and all that. But when he succeeds, it's just like, I just get a little giddy because it's like, nobody expects it from him. He's a great guy and the Bears are winning because of it. So it's totally true. It's totally true. I mean, I've been hard on Trubisky partially uh, secret behind the curtain moment for a lot of the listeners here. Part of the reason that I have been as hard on Trubisky as I have been is to make the point that he's probably not the Bears franchise starter. And honestly, after an interception that probably didn't need to be thrown, uh, there are these moments throughout games like this that still have me worried that if the Bears do give him a Jared Goff-esque extension, it might bite us in the end. But... Keep the future in the future. During these games, it is fun to watch Trubisky go up against a Deshaun Watson-led Houston team that absolutely everybody thought Deshaun Watson's about to show up the Houston or like show up the Bears and remind them why he needed to be picked. And Trubisky walked all over them. And in this game, despite the occasional mistake, he was still throwing with confidence. His or his touchdown fastball to Jimmy Graham very early in the game. He looked off Allen Robinson, who was triple teamed, and fit the ball into the back or back window of that play really nicely that's his second read which he struggled with in the end zone and again even though he made the occasional mistake it was these little decisions like the touchdown run that he had which was his i think that's his third option in the progression he checks the mid read first then the read to commit and then just runs it and he did that and again he is managing this Bears offense really well right now. And then when you watch other things, like how in the third quarter, the offensive line came back online and started running the ball really well, it's it's a treat in a way that I have never experienced. And apparently the Bears haven't experienced it since 1965, as this is the first Bears team to score 30-plus points in back-to-back-to-back-to-back weeks since then. And that's just mind-boggling to me. Yeah, it's mind-boggling both that uh, it hasn't happened for so long, and also that it actually happened with this offense. No kidding. And what what I think was really cool, I was telling you about this in the pre-show, and I think it deserves some airtime, is that the Bears were able to iterate on tons of the stuff that they'd done in this week, and whether it was them just trying to put some stuff on film or not, they have been running a ton of basic stuff. Like, best way to put it is, and again, this is just the best way that I can put this, the Bears have been running sort of a high school offense that graduated a bit into the NFL. They run specifically outside zone to keep things simple for their offense line and most of the time when they roll the or when they roll Trubisky out they run a low medium high read most people would call that a levels style concept and the Bears in this game iterated on that a ton they snuck a Jimmy Graham wheel route into the levels action that meant that everybody the whole defense was going to focus on those low medium high reads and it left Jimmy Graham wide open not two or not once not twice but three times and they were able to play with it on that Darnell Mooney defensive pass interference where instead of rolling across the field to the right he curled back around to the back side of the field and oh my gosh Patty I could go on and on and on about a whole lot of the things that the Bears did successfully on offense to tweak what they had been doing and show that they're not just one dimensional and frankly pull some growth out of Mitch Trubisky as a quarterback but the best way that I can put it is when Jimmy Graham is fooling his cornerback on an out and 
an up route that normally a speedster runs and he ends up with his man on the ground, you know that the play calling and the scheme and everything about it, sure, you're going to have some bad moments like Cole Kmet getting a handoff when maybe you want to give it to David Montgomery, but even so, 41 points is results enough, and the Bears were able to capitalize on an offense that legitimately has me thinking that against even good defenses, they may be able to find some answers. Yeah, and it's definitely exciting to see them putting some nuance into this offense uh, because we've been all clamoring for more play action because that just works in the NFL. You know, more under center, more Mitch, uh, you know, rolling out and all of that. Um, and it's nice to see that we're they're putting nuance into it and they're putting things on tape that, you know, maybe they think this is the twist is going to work or maybe they think this is a twist they want on tape so that when the Packers watch them, they have to prepare for that and then they can just do the basic stuff and it'll work because they, they can't know that they're doing the basic stuff, which is new. One, one problem I've had with Nagy is he seems to be too comfortable with being predictable. And he, he's actually had some quotes where, you know, he, someone was talking about like mixing up your play calls and they're like, yeah, but, and he said, yeah, but uh, you know, they, they could think that you're trying to fool them. They could think you're not trying to fool them. Like, it doesn't really matter. But in the end, it does matter if you're predictable. And we've seen over the Nagy era, there have been times when it was, the defense definitely knew it was coming. Or, you know, in some cases, like the Packers game, the offense seemed to know what the defense was doing. So I think it's good to see maybe this is Lazer's influence. Maybe it's Filippo. We don't know. But they're, they're putting a lot of effort in not being predictable. And you can see that with their – the nuance in their play calls in this game. Absolutely. And another thing that I think is really huge here is that the Bears players are executing those play calls. So one thing that I still think was a huge problem with this Bears team and frankly has made discussion about that middle, what, Foles 2 and 5 stretch of Bears games so complex is that a lot of people would talk and they'd say the play calling was horrible. And I'd say back, sometimes I can't even tell because I think I know what the play call was supposed to be, but only nine guys did it right. And so, like, no play call is going to work where one person, let alone two, let alone three, in some cases, just doesn't do their assignment. But right now, the whole Bears offense, everybody is working exactly like they should. And again, I'd go back to that Jimmy Graham play. Jimmy Graham got himself open on an out and up. Charles Leno did not block his man perfectly. Mitch Trubisky stepped up into the pocket, which has, again, been a real problem for him, and laced a ball that was good enough for Jimmy Graham to make a leaping catch on and not everybody did their job perfectly Leno could have laced a better block Mitch could have dropped the ball in the bucket and Jimmy Graham I I don't know actually he He did a pretty good job, but the point is it results in a touchdown, and these are the kinds of successes you can carry forward because, as I know you've seen, whether it's Allen Robinson catching the ball on, what was it, like a third and five and turning around the wrong way and falling out of bounds, or or things as simple as Javon Wims blowing that block on the fourth and one uh, against Los Angeles earlier in the season with Cordero Patterson getting pantsed in the end zone, it has always been some combination of the wrong play call and terrible execution, and right now both are working. It's it's a total turnaround. It's a shocking turnaround, honestly, from a team that, whether it was Mitch or Foles, couldn't even seem to get lined up correctly in the third quarter. And whether it's Nagy, whether it's Laser, whether it's Deep Filippo, somebody deserves a lot of credit. And they're making, and I think this is weird to say, but I have to say it, right? They're making those decisions we thought were long foregone about firing Matt Nagy and firing a whole bunch of people a little bit tougher, especially if they can pull out a win against the Packers. And that's... You know, the, the, some Bears fans are upset about that, but I prefer to, you know, 
I think one of my like one of my niches is like trying to find the best way to enjoy being a fan uh, because your team is not going to win the Super Bowl every year and you a lot of people are just focused on how do we have the best you know setup to win the Super Bowl so if we're not on track for that let's just burn it all down and they want to burn it all down every season but winning games like this is fun you know making the playoffs is fun and if you lose the first round in the playoffs it's still I mean 2018 was a great year to be a Bears fan. We lost the first round of the playoffs. This is a completely different uh, path to the playoffs because we felt like we had a six-game losing streak and we felt like the, you know, the world was burning down. But it's still very fun to be in the mix in December. So the other thing that, you know, you're bringing up is I feel like the big question of the, the Nagy era and whether we should keep Nagy or not is I feel like it's rooted in this Nick Foles period. Because my sort of big picture perspective of that is he, that was his sort of putting it all in to try to make his offense work. And it didn't work. And a lot of why it didn't work was execution. And, you know, there's a question of, is that because we just don't have the personnel to do it? Is it because he's not teaching the players well, but they, you know, it was clear, you know, from 2019, I think as soon as he tried to do offense 201, uh, the players were just not able to understand and execute to the level that needed to happen. And, you know, honestly, I don't know if that's personnel or if that's teaching. I remember when the Bears first hired uh, Nagy, Andy Reid said he was one of the best teachers, you know, he had ever had and gave him a glowing review. So, you know, I, I would think that he's good at that, but maybe, you know, at the next level up, he's not good at hiring the staff that are going to teach people down to the most nuanced level. You know, I don't know, but it is refreshing to see, okay, he, he did that experiment and it didn't work. So what's next? Is he someone who can move on and say, okay, you know, I, I'm going to give up on my baby of making that Chiefs offense work. I mean, I'm going to roll with, you know, this system, which is not mine, but, you know, I can add my nuances and I can have an effective offense because he's a good leader of men. He's very likable. The team rallies around him. I think he is someone who can be a successful coach in the long term you know, despite his failures, but it, it sort of depends on whether that that streak was, you know, his sort of swan song of trying to make his system work or if he's going to keep trying to force that. And that's what's so complicated about this, right? So let me let me give you a, a totally separate metaphor, and I hope this is going to land, right? You know how in baseball, sometimes football, it happens all over in sports. You'll have a player that doesn't succeed in a certain destination. They hit rock bottom. They go somewhere else, and suddenly their career just resurges, right? Like Ryan Tannehill, right? Uh, my question that I'm starting to ask myself, like, let me be clear, Bears fans, Everything that happened against, like, Tennessee, against Minnesota the first time, against Los Angeles, there was this string of Bears games where they were absolutely unacceptably bad on offense. Like, they were, nobody coached this team bad on offense. They they were, they weren't at an NFL standard. The Jets were putting up 25 points and losing. I mean, there were all te teams all over the NFL that were doing better things on offense than what the Bears were doing, and it was hard to know whether it was Foles, though it didn't feel like it was Foles' fault, and I'm still never going to blame him because this never happened anywhere else in his, like, nine-year career. But the point is, is that it all seemed to bubble back up to Nagy. And then he handed over play-calling duties, and it did not fix against uh, Minnesota with Foles. So was it the play-caller? Was it all of it? I mean, it was kind of just 
all of it. And we could go deeper into what that means, but it's a post-game podcast, not a Nagy podcast, so I hope you guys take my meaning. But the point is, what if Nagy hit that rock-bottom moment over the bye, and this resurgence, which he can't not at least get some credit for, because it's still his team, and his team didn't give up, especially after a crushing loss to the Packers, followed up by an entirely different crushing loss to the Lions. Like, this team easily could have fallen out it was only a four a four loss streak before the packers obliterated us and the lions crushed what felt like all of our hopes right but then there we were the next week against i think that was the texans game and we annihilated them and then they came in against minnesota and in a team or in a game where the defense felt like it lost its legs and could not hang with a not that great minnesota team the offense led the way and and won the game and then against jacksonville again here today patty I thought the defense played fine. We'll get them in, we'll get into them later in the show, but the offense was the one really leading the charge here, and that's all we ever wanted to see from a Matt Nagy led team. So is this that resurgent moment where maybe enough changed inside his head where he's checking his ego at the door and become the coach that people like me who've been high on him thought that he could be? Heck, I I don't know. I don't want to say yes, we haven't played enough good defenses for me to really know, but I know that against even earlier in the game, the decision to put Nick Foles in is probably the only reason that we beat Atlanta. I think that's fair, but who knows? Hard to know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but he, he might. We don't know, but he put Foles in and they won the game. That's a gutty decision that he didn't have to do, and maybe that's to his credit. I did think that his scheme against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers earlier in the season, that has to matter because the Bears could have scored 37 points had the team executed, and they didn't, so they only scored 20, still winning the game. This is so weird. And I don't want to focus on this too much, and I know I've had a long run-on turn of talking here, but it's it really leaves me asking so many questions because earlier or at the start of the season, you asked me five months ago, Patty, like, is eight and eight good enough? No, probably not. Fire everybody. Like, no way. But the way that this season has gone, the Bears right now feel different than I think I've ever felt them. Because this isn't a defensive team holding its offense's hand, it's an offensive team that has Allen Robinson looking nothing short of immaculate and Darnell Mooney blossoming before our eyes. It's it, it has resuscitated Jimmy Graham's career. Cole Kmet could have had a 45-yard touchdown had Mitch Trubisky hit him, and again, mistakes happen to everybody. David Montgomery is moving the ball like crazy. Cody Whitehair looks so much happier at left guard. Sam Mustafer, Alex Barr's playing decent foot. Like, I could look all over, and all of the nobody's developing on offense qualms that anybody had earlier in the season, it's not really the case right now. This is so confusing. It's so confusing. It feels like a different team with a different coach, but it's the same guy. Maybe we look at the fact that Nagy was only offensive coordinator for a year and say, I mean, he's still under contract for two years. Might as well see what he's got next year and just keep a short leash on him. But heck, Patty, I don't know. I am dying to see what happens in week 17 and God willing week 18 to really see if we can get that final piece of the puzzle, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, you say this is a post-game podcast, it's not a naggy podcast, but in a way, this game, the results of this game are making it look like the Bears might make the playoffs, and it's really putting this uh, naggy question up to the forefront because we're feeling more and more like he's probably going to get kept, and do we want him? 
I mean, I think I'm kind of sold on him. I think he is, he's a young coach, certainly in, in terms of his career as well as his age and he's learning and I'm hoping he's learning. And if he, and if this offense is him learning, you know, from his mistakes and moving forward, I think he's someone the bears can grow with. And, you know, I, I, I can look at, you know, someone like Arthur Smith or Brian Dable or even like Brandon Staley or, or, um, with Sala from the 49ers and, you know, I can see the appeal of the shiny new toy, but, you know, Nagy's a guy who has succeeded, who the team respects and who he's honest and he's a likable guy. You know, he, in a lot of ways, when he talks, I, he's someone that I would want to hang out with. He's someone I can identify with. So, you know, he's someone I, you don't want to have a coach that you don't like, even if you're winning Mm -hmm. or I don't, some people obviously would prefer that. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, what I think is funny is if you t- told me, Patty, like the Bears would go, if, if you told me one of these two things, I would have two totally different reactions, right? If you told me before the season the Bears go 8-8, eight and eight, I'm upset. If you told me, on the other hand, that the Bears have a six-game losing streak, I go, oh, no, we must be awful and if if we take this and still finish eight and eight i don't i know you don't control the schedule i'm well aware that part of it's just the fact that the bears had sort of an easy start a really tough middle and then a little bit of an easier end even so it's kind of been like a wild ride and and again like if you're a detractor you've got ammunition if you're a supporter you've got ammunition and it's it's wild to see where the bears have come but again like i kind of mentioned I think the most impressive thing I've seen in this team has been the offense's willingness to lead from the front. And even though this team is not necessarily like the, they're not the most talented team in the NFL. Certainly there are more talented teams, uh, or at least you would think they're more talented teams, but the bears are getting crazy results right now that after a Arizona loss, that's nothing short of massive for the bears and has the bears now in the seventh seed. You look at this team and I I'm dying to know what happens against green Bay. I'm so excited because the bears are running the ball successfully. David Montgomery looks like everything we ever wanted him to be. And I just am so, so curious as to whether this can work next next week. And it's funny because we can't even talk about half of it because we don't know if the Packers won and we don't know if the Rams won. And if those two teams... Yeah. I'm actually curious your thoughts on this Packers situation because I have mixed feelings, but my general feeling is I want the Packers to play their starters and I want the Bears to, you know, either earn it or don't. But, I, you know, I don't want them to make the playoffs because they played a you know, a half-assed Packers team that didn't play any of their starters. Sure. I don't think that's a crazy thought at all. I completely agree. My thought is that that same feeling where you have that Matt Nagy prove-it game, because that's what you're talking about, right? You want Matt Nagy to prove it. You want this team to prove it. I think they can prove it in the first round of the playoffs, and I'm not going to be too upset. That's a good point. And you you know what? If the the Packers play their starters and the Bears lose, I'm going to be eating my words because I would have definitely preferred We'd be mad, right? <laughs> like, at this point, weeks ago, I was on the flat-out tank train because we were five and five and blank and skidding. And I was like, the Bears might be able to reset at quarterback. That seems like the best option this season sucks. Well, now weeks removed, we have blown the tank train off the rails. It's not there anymore. There is no benefit to being eight and eight compared to nine and seven. So if it's me getting to choose, I'd like the easy win. Thank you. Uh, I'm okay with that. Let's go to the playoffs. 
buffs. Whose back, like, whose skin does it take off their back to get a free access to the playoffs when we're probably keeping Matt Nagy and potentially Ryan Pace as well anyways? Like, DC changes are almost independent of whether or not we win this next game because I think a lot of people would agree that the Bears' defense, and I'm going to quote, like, the general narrative, doesn't look like the Bears' defense right now. And there are a lot of questions that I think are well worth asking. But I don't think that an easy win against Green Bay is going to be why Matt Nagy stays necessarily because I think everybody's well aware uh, that like just like last year when we beat the Vikings backups, in this case, we'd be beating the Packers uh, backups. But I would rather play that game under the lights in playoff football and keep uh, like things in the Bears franchise, a, a team that has made the playoffs two out of three years than not and I would really not like to play what I think is one of the best teams in the NFL because like Aaron Rodgers against a team that doesn't even have Jalen Johnson in the backfield is not a matchup I want but that's that's where I'm at I don't really know but from what I saw from Kendall Vildor I so somebody said this on Twitter and I laughed out loud that there is there's nobody that Chicago fans who are so defensive heavy like more than backup cornerbacks because the guy that you haven't seen could be really good you'd have thought Kevin Tolliver was a leading like potential starting candidate until the day he got cut and seeing Kendall Vildor was a nice reminder to me that as much as I know there are there are questions well worth asking about Jalen Johnson's development, which is always tough because corner is an extremely hard position to play in the NFL. No, none. Me neither. And seeing DJ Chark um, remind Kendall Vildor that he is, in fact, an NFL really good wide receiver and Vildor has some work to do was a real nice cold shower on. Yeah, maybe we don't get too excited about playing like about Buster Scrine being down because, no, he is not like that, that, that bad. And Jalen Johnson being out and getting to see the kid. You know what I mean? Definitely. Well, and Vildor is, you know, he was never expected to be an outside corner. And right. that's just where we're at with our um our de- de- defensive backs. I think on the second touchdown, it was Crawford, and I had to look up who this Crawford guy was, which, you know, <laughs> I don't know the Bears uh, roster as well as anyone, but I usually expect that I'm going to know anyone who's on the field. I totally know what you mean, and I know there were some people in my mentions that were like, who is Artavis Pierce as he punched in that last touchdown? But we'll let's get to the defensive performance in just a second. I know our sponsors are dying to get a word in, so we will be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
And we are back here with Bear with me. I've got Patty Curl with me talking about this Bears game. Another huge win over Jacksonville. Fourth week in a row of 30 plus points. But I think maybe the more interesting story to talk about is a Bears defense that started out probably on the wrong foot and seemed to rectify itself due to none other than a lot of Bears fans early season scapegoat Danny Trevathan who deflected a pass and created an interception, and Roquan Smith created another one. There in that third quarter, the Bears made some serious plays on defense and seemed to put this game right back on ice, and I loved every minute of it. I'm not sitting here trying to tell you it was an incredible defensive performance, Patty. I think I think we've got the stones to go through the tough stuff on this defense, but either way, it looked like it was going to go a lot further south than it did, and the Bears de- defense did a good job corralling things in that second half. You know what I mean? I agree. I mean, the defense honestly didn't have to do much to let the Bears win this game, but their performance did a, a big part in making it fun to watch and making making me feel like, okay, this is this is a team that's not, you know, it's complete. The Jaguars are completely in a different league than than the Bears, and that's how I wanted to feel leaving this game. And the defense definitely, absolutely. What I thought was funny was as the Bears sat there, just a side note, up 41 to 10 over the Jaguars, I was like, great, all we know is exactly what we thought we knew. The just about first place Green Bay Packers had us beat 41 to 10. Now we have the worst team in the league beat 41 to 10, so we are somewhere in the middle of that. And that's about how I felt. But getting back to the defense, it's funny. I think I have a good takeaway and a bad takeaway. Like if I was going to just focus on two, which I could do more. But the the bad takeaway is that Akeem Hicks is such a gambler on run defense that I don't think that the Bears issue with the occasional run that goes a lot further than we think it should. I don't think those are going away. Akeem Hicks really likes to guess the pitch, so to speak, on defense. And if he thinks it's going right, he's going to dive right immediately. And the Jaguars beat him on that outside on the 25-yard carry that I think the runner broke another tackle to make it alert to get that little bit further. But even so, the two-gapper that is Akeem Hicks, he's probably going to give these up, just like he did against Tampa Bay, just like he did against Detroit, just like he did all throughout the season. So that's not – we're going to take the bad with the good. I think he 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 got into the habit and he used to be able to get away with it because Eddie Goldman could usually make up for that. And mm-hmm. you know, Bill Nichols has been playing well above expectation. You know, the backup D line for the Bears is always great. Um, probably a lot of credit to Jay Rogers and also the you know surrounding talent on that team. But you know, I think Akeem Hicks. You know, I'm never going to get mad because I love I, I love him, but. He could be a little bit more conservative given the lack of Eddie Golden by his side right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, one thing that I think is hilarious about watching this Bears defense is that on the run plays where they don't get gashed, they don't give up much. Like, they're able to stuff it, or certainly maybe it's Jacksonville, but they couldn't. They stuffed the run against Houston. They stuffed the run pretty well against Minnesota. They stuffed the run here today really well, especially if you take out the big gainers, but you can't. And so it is funny seeing the stop-start nature of the Chicago defense. And, hey, if the Bears can keep forcing third and longs, like, again, I'll, I'll take the bad at the good. I'm not trying to kill Akeem Hicks. I'm just trying to set expectations that, like you're talking about, Patty, this is not the, the wall that the Bears defense was in 2018 and that's okay you know yeah definitely um miss eddie goldman 
Yeah, I miss him too. But the good news is I couldn't or I was so excited that Roquan Smith got the interceptions today that I feel like he's been due because he's been playing so spectacularly in coverage that I don't care if one of them's off a tip. I know that a lot of players, Allen Robinson, for instance, care a lot about these numerical statistics because they help guys get paid. And Roquan's somebody that I think deserves a contract when it comes up. So to see him get a couple of interceptions right before the all pro list is released is really awesome because you need those counting stats to impress all the people in the media and potentially get on some of these lists and that first interception he had against Glennon was nothing short of game altering like Trubisky's interception in the end zone could have really stymied things the Bears almost might have ent- or entered the half or even if it was just even at 10-10 let alone if Jacksonville had stolen yeah, 10-10 points. against the the worst record team in the league is not doesn't feel great. <laughs> exactly. But then Roquan steals a ball out of the air, and it's a terrible read by Glennon because Roquan's there the entire way. But the Bears are able to chug out another three points off of that. I mean, it was nothing short of huge. And then being able to catch the next one, Danny did a great job deflecting that ball. But it's it's fun to see that not only was Roquan not seriously hurt because that fir- or as he went down on that first interception, I was really worried, but that he was able to kind of get what's been due to him, you know? Yeah, I, I don't. You probably haven't read my post game because we're doing this right after I published it. Right. But I did like. I actually wrote like a long thing about Roquan when I when I because at halftime we thought he was down. Like we didn't know we had never seen on defense after that, and it it made me realize how important he is in this Bears team and how like for me he's just like he's kind of like the center of the Bears defense this season and sort of one of the biggest like sparks of hope for the future and you know a guy who's totally likable and didn't quite live up to expectation for his first two seasons and has just really come on this season and been just so focal and um I was really sad when he was down and I honestly I was actually more impressed by the second interception even though you know it was dumb luck but in terms of a ball coming at you that fast so unexpectedly Mm -hmm. and actually catching it that's actually that's like great instincts and great just raw athleticism that you know, remember that Cleo Mack interception that <laughs> that was he not saw it coming and he couldn't hold on to it. You know, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of players would have dropped that ball. So I totally agree. I mean, I still think that all and I'm, I'm really going to be curious to see what all pro lists look like. I think that there's just one play that you could change throughout this entire season. If Roquan Smith catches the interception from Drew Brees, long term listeners have heard me say this almost too much, but I'm going to say it one more time. If he catches that ball against the Saints, takes it all the way back. He's a pro bowler and an all pro. But maybe these two interceptions can help him get on that list. Like you're talking about, I think what's become really apparent to me is that if teams don't want to deal with Khalil Mack, they don't have to. In the modern NFL, you can just say, okay, Max over on the right side because Quinn's locked in on the left side, so let's just go that way. And I'm pointing to my left viewers or listeners. And with Roquan, you don't get that luxury. Roquan's fast enough to track with you side to side, and sure, while he struggles to disengage with blocks from alignment and a guy his size is going to struggle with that, that's not his role. I need to make it absolutely clear that he's not supposed to be Ray Lewis. He is able to get involved in all kinds kinds of plays that a lot of other defenders can't and it's been really fun to see and had we lost him and like Ogunli, oh gosh, Iggy had gotten into the game, I would have been actually much more worried even against yeah, EA Booneyway, thank you Uh, had he gotten into the game with Danny Trevathan, I would have been much more worried even with it being the Jaguars than the fact that he came back and really settled me down. 
Yeah, and even so, it's it's almost like I, if the Bears go into the playoffs without Raquan, his mom pronounces his name Raquan, by the way. So I, I try to, you know, that makes sense. Up. Thank you. He still says Roquan, so I think it's fine to say Roquan, but you know, I feel I, like his mom named him. It's probably it should be Raquan. I wish that Nagy would say his name because there was a very long time that I said Nagy and I cannot remember what the actual pronunciation is. I've used it's gone. Nagy. It's between Nagy and Nagy. It's Nagy. Okay, Nagy. Thank you. Yeah, I'll try to get this but right. But he's also said that he doesn't, you can say it anyway, and he really doesn't care. Sure, but that's what people who have their name wrong all the time say. Like, you'd be shocked at how many people have mispronounced Schmitz over their lifetime, which I don't think is that hard, but nobody ever does, you know? Uh, yeah, but, well, people spell Patty wrong all the time, and I don't, I don't tell them <laughs> that I don't care. I get mad. <laughs> hey, good for you. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Commenters on Wendy Sid and Great who literally never heard my name. They've only heard it spelled, seen it spelled, mm-hmm. spell my name wrong. It's like, how, how do you do that? It's right there. It's right there. I mean, that's hilarious. I had no idea. Hopefully not, or if they hear it, they'll they'll check that at the door. But I'll tell you, it, it is funny seeing, because I've seen a lot of people talk about how Pagano has really made them mad. And I get it. Like, there are a whole bunch of points where I'd love to see a couple more blitzes, too. I'd love to see the Bears scheme up more free rushers, because I think, personally, you can accept that, especially when we're not playing on turf, Robert Quinn's probably not getting home. So, with that in mind, like, throw more more than four at them because leaving Kendall Vildor and Duke Shelley in coverage for long extended periods of time is not going to go well. So just don't worry about it and throw some rushes at him. But even so, like breaking away from like deep defensive scheme talk, which that's not even like deep. I, I do think that Chuck Pagano has gotten a lot of vitriol from the Bears fan base over the fact that the offenses in the NFL are just inflating, and that means more scoring, and more scoring means not the Chicago way. You know what I mean? Like, we win games, dead gummit, 17-13 at, like, the highest scoring. And these games where we beat the Vikings, I can't remember the exact score, but, like, 30-some-odd to 20, 20 high are weird and bad, and we don't like them. We like winning 30-10, to 10, but not 30-27. to 27. That's not acceptable here. And I'm trying to suss out the difference, I'll tell you, Patty. Like, sometimes I don't even really know, because the Bears are the the second most expensive defense in the NFL and the oldest. So to say that this defense absolutely has to perform, I'm, I'm struggling to know whether the defense is a little bit too old, maybe a touch past its prime, or whether I should be expecting more and having a higher standard, because I get that two years ago in 2018, or 2018, this defense was nothing short of legendary, but here in 2019, or 2020, not 2019, I just... It's it's funny. It's like no, the bear or Pagano is not a master worker, and I agree with that. Is he a fireable defensive coordinator? I I don't know. I'm realizing how little I really know about defense. I don't know what to expect. I, I would agree with absolutely anybody that would say we have too much money tied up in defensive line, let alone just edge rushers with Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack making as much as they are. But at the same time, that's more of a pace issue and not necessarily a Pagano issue if those players just aren't made for the current 2020 NFL that allows holding as if it's legal. And I I keep going back and forth. And I don't know whether I'm being too optimistic saying you don't need to fire him or not, but he is somebody that here, if the bears, like, especially if they get blasted by Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, he could be due for a lost job here by the end of the season. Yeah. I just have to give the audience a little peek behind the curtain. 
I really had to go to the bathroom and I was waiting for Robert to stop talking so I could be like, can you pause the audio? I've got to go to the bathroom. But I just went anyway and he was still talking when I got back, so. I stretched it out for you. No worries. I was like, she's not here. I have to say something. <laughs> no, Pagano is, I mean, it's hard to know how much is, definitely there's been a big change in the holding penalties which have affected the Bears defense and just in general made it less beneficial to invest in defense um, in the current NFL. But I, I think a lot of people are upset about him being a little bit too uh, conservative, not um, not blitzing enough. But <clears throat> I just keep going back to when the Pagano was on the Colts, and he, you know, he was obviously at the end of his term. People thought, you know, knew he was going to get fired, and people asked him about it, and and he, his response was, "Well, they can't eat you." You know, they can, <laughs> they can fire you, you can use the job, they can't eat you. So you know, he's, yeah, I'm not too concerned. So I don't know. I've always been fond of him since that moment. So, <laughs> you know, I think I'd probably rather have a different DC, you know, I mean, maybe try out Wade Phillips. I don't think he was, he was bad. And I don't know why he doesn't have a job right now. Oh man. And especially when you look around the NFL and you see guys like Brandon Staley in Los Angeles that are able to take what they have, which probably isn't the Bears talent pool and turn it into so much more. It is sad to, to your point, Patty, like I talked a little bit about the positives about Pagano, but the negatives, I haven't seen Eddie Jackson mentioned in a positive sentence in a long, long yeah. time. And I don't know how much of that comes down to scheme and usage and how much of that comes down to people just ignoring him and saying, Eddie's over there. I am not looking there. But that seems a little like high praise that I would have used last year. But now we're almost like, what, two years away from him having three INTs in a season? I know production isn't everything, but at some point you'd hope that the guy you paid 11 or 10 plus million dollars is coming down with the ball. You know what I mean? Part of it is is luck. He had two pick sixes early in the season who were called back, you know, on pretty pretty questionable calls. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely, you know, if you look at it, you you kind of wonder is Pagano not setting him up to succeed. And you know, part of that is also who he has playing against him. Maybe Adrian Amos was a a better pair for him than people wanted to admit when we let him yeah. go. Easily. I mean, totally could be. Here in uh, Green Bay, he seems to certainly be at least allowing Savage to blossom, let alone making his money worth it. And so may- maybe Bamos really was just a little better than we thought he was. But yeah, e- either way, the Bears defense certainly, I'm not angry yet. I know some fans are angry, but I am a little worried. The the Green Bay game from a little while ago still rings in my head where it just looked so easy. And then the following week against Detroit, it looked so easy. And then we they, they got back on track against the Texans, and the wheels kind of fell off against Minnesota. So as they go in to face the Packers again, let alone if they face the Saints or whoever the number two seed is, like it's a good football team either way, they didn't get that two seed on accident. I would love to see the defense like start to play with its eyes on fire a little bit, even though I don't know if they can. When that Green Bay game was, it was, it seemed like it was really about predictability. Like Aaron Rodgers was was literally calling out when they, when they were going to blitz. Um, you know, they have they caught that on the audio, and you know, you don't know. Some people were like, oh, the Green Bay picked up someone from the practice squad, and they, you know, maybe he gave them the play. But I don't know about that. I honestly, I don't know what the rules are about that or how often that really happens, but. You know, I think part of it is the Bears are just being too predictable and it's a it's a division opponent and they're going to pay attention. And so hopefully we mix it up a little bit and, you know. Yeah, I mean, 
predictability in the NFL is always really weird because I know I was shocked when I found out. Did you know Andy Reid out of the shotgun passes 75% of the time and out of the shotgun he runs 25% of the time. When he goes to under center, that flips. He runs 75% of the time. He passes 25% of the time. And I looked at that and I thought, isn't that super predictable? Like, isn't that really, really predictable? But Andy Reid is a hallmark good offensive coordinator. Like, in almost anybody's eyes, he is good, quote unquote. And I'll take that and run with it. What I've started to realize, at least based on what I can tell, is on those plays where you deviate, do you get, like, do you do enough damage to be scary? And that's where, like you're talking about, when Pagano doesn't blitz, we're getting killed right now. Like, when Pagano just drops eight into coverage, there is a hole, and it's being found. And when Pagano sends seven men, it's working. So it feels really easy to say, not just predictability, but like, okay, so why do you keep doing the thing that isn't working? Because, like you're saying, when the Bears, when it, in 2018, we pretty much could have mailed other offenses our game plan and said, do whatever you want, you can't beat this. And I, I know a lot of defenses... I know a lot of defenses like to operate with that mindset. We're going to do what we do, and they can't beat it. But this defense can't do that. I love the enthusiasm, but Aaron Rodgers was a nice reminder, like you're talking about. That's a blitz. We're going to throw through it. That's not a blitz. He's faking it. They're dropping into eight right now. Probably cover three. Let me hit that. And he did. And it was it was a mess. And I'm hoping that here round two, a couple weeks or off of a couple wins, the Bears can look different regardless of who they're playing, you know? Definitely. And I mean, Jalen Johnson's loss is a big deal. Hopefully he comes back because you really, you have to have two competent corners. Mm. I know offense to Kendall Vildor, like he, you know, he could develop certainly he's a fifth round pick rookie, but it's a, it's a problem when you don't have your coverage locked down. You can't, um, you know, you feel you're much more vulnerable when you blitz and sorry, I should finish my sentences. I forget we're being recorded. So I, I thought I would have a second point to there, but it's, it really are. You're much more vulnerable when you blitz. Obviously you're also, when you don't blitz, you still need to cover. Exactly. It, it's the absolutely standard. Like I think, so I think play calling is funny to talk about. You, you talk like defense and offense. Cause I think a lot of people assume that good play call equals good play and good play call with bad execution equals bad play and great execution on bad play call equals good play. A lot of the time, like a lot of the time it just comes down to execution. Uh, and it means as silly as it sounds when you sneak a wheel route into the bears PA levels concept and it's wide open, good play. When you run a like up and out with Jimmy Graham and it completely fools the corner, good play. When you fake a goal line handoff to David Montgomery and you give it to Cole Komet thinking that you could sneak him around the edge and it does not work, you look like an idiot. And I heard all over Twitter. I thought it was. I, yeah. I, they wouldn't look like an idiot if it did work. You're like literally at the one yard line. You don't call a play that puts you backwards. Like just <laughs> right. basic, you know, logic. Well, it's not backwards if it works. And that's what's so funny. It's like you're saying, like, or I saw somebody say this, and I'm obviously being very optimistic when I say this, but, like, Cole Komet walks into the end zone and somebody says, way to go getting Cole Komet involved. Good on you, Bill Lazor. But obviously it doesn't work. So people say, uh, sorry, did Nagy take the play calling over again? Because uh, I've seen that before. <laughs> I knew people were going to say that. I even thought about putting it in my thing. But, uh, for me, that, that part of me feels like that, that's an argument for why I don't think Bill Lazor is the difference. You're still getting right. the same stuff. 
And like you're talking about, I mean, I see her play calling kind of like quarterback play where it's like you cannot ask a quarterback to hit 100 percent of their play calls. And I doubt a play caller is going to do the same thing either. They're going to have some bad ones. And whether you want to say, oh, I want Trubisky to throw that thing out. I mean, I'm not going to disagree. This play didn't work. I'm not about to stand for the Colquette handoff, but obviously 41 points and a Colquette touchdown that did not happen. So up to 48 before the Bears just decided that they didn't feel like scoring anymore. Uh, like that shows that clearly they knew what they were doing. And yeah, Colquette had to call that touchdown and ran in the end around. You know, mm-hmm. exactly. Man, that could have been too. But so all all this to say that. It is funny watching how in in defensive play calling, it's much the same way where if you don't call the blitz, people assume the blitz would have worked. If you do call the blitz and it doesn't work now, they you shouldn't have done that or or they'll find some or people will find something else to be angry at. And I totally get it because I've seen plays all throughout this Bears season and 2019 where the Bears ran the ball and it didn't work. That means that they should have passed it or people just get mad, which happens. But if they throw the ball on 4th and 1, dadgum, they should have run the ball. And and if the, that doesn't work, they should have run the ball differently. And I get it. Everybody has their favorite play call. Everybody has that thing that they want to see. You know what I mean? Last night in uh, we're recording this right after the game. Last night in the Arizona game when Kyler Murray scored on that fake quarterback handoff end around. I loved it. I was crazy about it. Actually, it wasn't a score. It was just a conversion because I love that play. I love the quarterback throwback when they hand it off to somebody and they get the ball on a throwback. But that doesn't mean I want it called all the time because I totally understand that just because I don't think I would call it doesn't mean it can't work. And at the end of the day, it's all results driven. But that's just a big diatribe on play calling. All this to say... Hopefully the Bears defense yields slightly better results against Green Bay or majorly better results than they did the first time. And that we'll see if Pagano has learned a little bit from their last meeting. I agree. And I, I also want to just point out to the fans who are sitting on the couch and thinking that's the wrong plane call. I could have done this better. I could have done that better. You like, you really don't understand everything that's going through the coaches heads and you're embarrassing yourself by thinking that you can do it better than the professionals. Sorry to tell you that. Speaking of, there is one thing, a habit that I've seen Matt Nagy fall to that he has not fallen to, whether it's him or somebody else calling plays. Matt Nagy has been so bad about saying, well, they think I'm going to do this, so I'm going to do this to counter what they think I'm going to do instead of just having what he's going to do. I really think this has been a lot of the reason looking back that he's not had an identity is because he thinks that if he has one identity, it's easily counterable. And instead he says, they think I'm going to run it. So instead I'm going to do this and it's going to work. And it seemed to confuse the players. One thing that he and his team have done a much better job of here. And I I don't think anybody's a better barometer for this than Mitchell Trubisky, who's best when his reads are very condensed and he can say, uh, what's that defender doing? I'm going to do this instead. Uh, he has been such, he's played so much better over these last four weeks. He has or like him and the rest of the offense, like Sam us for an offense or, and Alex bars are looking like dramatically better offensive linemen than I think bars is though. Must have a lot to like there, but the, the point is, is that the Bears offense has streamlined itself. They are simplified. They are efficient. They are surprisingly unpredictable given what they've left their tendencies to be and right now effective and sitting here with a defense that sure, they gave me cause for worry, but I don't like worrying just as a human being uh, and an offense that gives us a lot of reasons for hope. I am 
Really excited to say, Patty, that here, I guess I would consider this my final thought, we are headed into a Week 17 showdown with our hated rivals, the Green Bay Packers, not knowing whether or not they're going to care about the game, but it's Week 17 and the football still matters, and that's kind of fun. You know what I mean? That's very fun. I mean, I can't can't imagine a more exciting game than, you know, playing the Packers with our playoff hopes on the line. I mean, ideally, we'll beat them with our playoff hopes on the line. I told you my... Oh, I don't know if you saw my my ideal scenario is the Packers uh, have to pl- have to beat the Bears to get the first seed. Bears beat them, which would make them the second seed. The Bears the seventh seed, so they play again the following week. Bears beat them two weeks in a row and knock them out of the playoffs. That is the perfect. If that happens, I don't care what happens for the rest of the season. I don't care what happens for the rest of the ten years. I'd be so pleased with. I- I totally agree. And the only reason, because I've heard you're like, I've heard some people talk about this and if it works, it would be so fun. But if the Packers kept us out of the playoffs, I'm super bummed. If we beat the Packers to get into the playoffs and then they kick us out of the playoffs, I'm also still bummed. And I say, well, at least we beat them once. Aaron Rodgers is now, what would he be at that point? 19 and four against the bears as a starter, something stupid, but you better believe that if we could kick Aaron and the rest of the Packers out of the playoffs, like hard and twice in a row, that'd be so fun, but it's exactly why I am a okay taking a free win against the Packers and going to rematch against the saints that I really think the bears could have, should have, would have beaten. And it would be super fun to get that rematch in new Orleans where Robert Quinn may play a little better, but I'm already getting ahead of myself at this point. Well, Raquan is definitely going to catch that ball now. I mean, we saw how his hands are, his instincts are on point. He's not dropping anything. And he's and he's developed as a player. Like you better believe he's learned from that moment. I bet he yeah. replays it all the time. Maybe actually, who knows? But point is, or what? What would you say is your final thought on the game before we close up? I mean, it was my thought at the beginning that I asked the Bears to show that they're a dominant team that they deserve to be in the playoffs, and they did. So mm-hmm. I'm happy. Good job, Bear Down. So excited that we weren't coming out of this with like a two point scrape away against one of the worst teams in football. Like as silly as it sounds, I know there are a lot of us that four weeks ago would have said, I would way rather be the Browns than the Bears, but I can't, or I need to look up. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. We are well, the live. Browns just lost to the Jets. So. They did lose. They lost to the Jets. <laughs> exactly. That's my point. So right now, I mean, it's, it's an NHL trope that you'd rather be hot than good. And when it comes to playoff time and right now, the Bears are nothing short of scorching, whether regardless of who they're playing and what you think of those opponents, because no doubt the defenses that they've faced are not exactly like super duper good, but there's no guarantee that the defense they'll face in the playoffs is either. No guarantee. We'll get there when we get there. For now, I I have nothing good or bad to say about it besides the fact that Patty, for the first time in a while, we came into a game saying, I think, let alone hope, the Bears are going to destroy them, and they did. And that is fun. That is true. And I got to use the term 40 biscuit for the first time in my writing career. Boom! That's it! That's what we're talking about. Awesome. 40 biscuit on the Jags! Yes, I wish that that could be a thing going forward, but I don't know if it'll happen again. We'll, We'll see. We'll see. Uh, either way, Patty, thanks so much for jumping on. Where can folks find you online? Well, I'm uh, I'm on Windy City Gridiron. Obviously, I mostly just write the post games, and then on Twitter, I'm at, at Opinion Bear. Oh yeah. I, well, there was this thing with, with there was a thing with uh, Jill Biden. Somebody didn't call her doctor, and they were like, "All female doctors need to put doctor in your profile." So I did that, and then I actually thought I liked the um, Doctor Opinion Bear. Well, there you just go. 
the warning. I'm just a medical doctor. I'm not a PhD, so that's awesome. That's all that really counts. <laughs> Thank you so much for all that you're doing, by the way. But either way, Patty, phenomenal having you on. Thanks so much for jumping on the show. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. And Bears fans, that's going to do it for this one. Plenty more to come this week as we'll have Rule of Three and tons of other podcasts coming out to talk more about Jacksonville and the Green Bay game coming up and the Bears playoff hopes and this wild, wild end to a very weird 2020 season that feels like it's had a direction and then lost its direction and hopefully refound the new direction going forward as we close things up. Meaningful December football left to be played yet in Green Bay, having now been played for the last couple weeks and it's been cool to see and the journey as it goes all the way to its conclusion will be covered right here at windy city gridiron so until next time bears fans be sure to leave a review of the podcast on whatever platform it is that you listen to it on give any feedback through twitter dms wcg comments or literally anything else i try to read whatever i can to make the show better and until next time bears fans Bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me.